Is James Paxton coming back to Seattle? Ryan Divish says pump the brakes, but we'll talk about the possibility nonetheless, or if the Mariners could aim even bigger in the rotation with a trade for White Sox ace Dylan Cease. All that and more coming up here on Locked On Mariners. Colby, hit it. You are Locked On Mariners, your daily Seattle Mariners podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ahoy, sailors. It is Wednesday, January 3rd, 2024. This is Titan Gonzalez and Colby Patnode for the Locked On Mariners podcast brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. And right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on. That's L O C K D O N to get yourself started. Thank you so much for making us your first listen, subscribe, like, and turn on alerts if you're watching on YouTube, or subscribe and leave a five-star review on your preferred podcast platform if you like what you hear. And if you're part of the crew and rock with us every single day, let us know in the comments below. We'd love to hear from you. And if you want to hear from us even more, please consider signing up for our Patreon. You can now get a free seven-day trial to check out the show. The link, as well as our social accounts, is in the description of this episode. Today's episode is all about pitching. We're going to talk James Paxson and Dylan Cease. And over the course of that, we'll discuss how adding a pitcher impacts the rest of the Mariners roster build. We're going to start with Paxson. Is the Big Maple coming back to Seattle? That's what a lot of Mariners fans are wondering after Canadian reporter Chad Day, who's broken pretty much every piece of James Paxson related news over the past few years, tweeted on Monday that Paxson was in attendance at the NHL Winter Classic game between the Kraken and the Golden Knights at T-Mobile Park and was even watching the game from the Mariners owner suite. So naturally, that sent a lot of fans into a frenzy on social media. Paxton's obviously a fan favorite, so a lot of uh, fans would be very excited about that. Uh, But this morning, we need to mention, Ryan Divish of the Seattle Times said he reached out to Paxton, who told him that the Mariners have actually not contacted him this offseason, but he would love to make a reunion happen. So who knows? Uh, so Colby, we, we talked about this on our Patreon show yesterday. Uh, it does seem like Chad Day's tweet was a bit overblown, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the Mariners won't eventually circle around to Paxson this offseason. So what do you think of that possibility? Yeah, uh, as predicted, uh, you know, Mariners uh, Twitter went into overdrive after the tweet and as predicted, it was a nothing burger. Um, although Ty certainly played it up. Um, but, uh, I mean, yeah, you know, Chad day Pax- has been pretty accurate on Paxton related stuff recently. I'm just saying like, yeah, but I felt like there might be an actual reason that he let's just say one of us was a lot more skeptical than the other one. And sure. that person was proven right. Uh, shortly I'm after we ended recording hopeful, yesterday, more actually, optimistic. So. I'm just saying, <laughs> sure. I mean, more realistic, but, sure. um, yeah, you know, I, I love James Pax and he's, great dude by all accounts and yep. obviously he really cares about you know the mariners and it just in general like he cares about the fan base and whatnot uh so yeah i'm not surprised to hear that like he would love to come back i'm uh not surprised honestly that he would be in seattle for you know an event like this i think that makes a lot of sense uh you know paxton has a house in kirkland i think uh bellevue he has a house in a suburb of seattle uh, and, uh, he also obviously lives in, he's from British Columbia. So he's a Pacific Northwest guy, uh, pretty much through and through. So, uh, yeah, I mean, a, a lot of this makes sense, right? That like, yeah, he would like to pitch for Seattle again. Yeah. He, you know, would go to this big event that's happening in Seattle. Um, 
you know, when he already lives near there and, mm-hmm. and all of that. So uh, good to hear James is doing well. Um, I, like I said, really like the guy, but there's really no question about it that there are some, some pretty, you know, pretty alarming red flags about this idea uh, in general. Uh, not the least of which is that Frankie Montes just got 15, $16 million for an inning pitched in 2023. And the pitching market is really doing what we thought the hitters market would do where those guys, the pitching market is actually getting contracts that are so weird because that's the actual saturated group. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And yet Lucas Giolito is getting $19 million a year and and coming off of a terrible, two terrible years. And uh, you know, like I said, Montes just threw an inning and he got, 15 million dollars like Severino got 13 mil yeah so Paxson's going to be looking for at least that and what we know about the Mariners payroll situation is that it's not unlimited it's not even close to what they thought it was going to be and so we don't know what the exact number left is but if you're having to pay James Paxton conservatively 13 to 15 million dollars maybe more because Paxton was actually okay last year you know and he threw close to a hundred innings, which some of these guys didn't do. And they're getting 13, $15 million. So like, even if he gives you a deal and you get him for $10 million, like that's a lot of your budget, presumably that you just gave to a pitcher that you can't really trust to, to stay healthy all that much. So it's not a, a super easy fit. It's not, you know, a no brainer. Uh, and there are some big red flags. That being said, I love James Paxton and I'm never going to get mad at the Mariners for signing James Paxton. So little bit of a, a gray area for me. I'm not going to be totally objective about this because, again, I just think Maple is awesome. And right. I do think he could help this team. I really do. Uh, mm. It's just yeah. a matter of is it the smartest allocation of resources? If the Mariners have as few resources as we've kind of been led to believe, then I would say it's really borderline. It's really tough to see them sign Paxton and still get the impact elsewhere that they need. So yeah, I'm on the fence about it. Uh, I just, in a pure vacuum, I don't think it makes a lot of sense to give, you know, really any pitcher $15 million to be like the number four or number five. Uh, but there are certainly scenarios where that could come into play and where that could work out. And we'll talk about them a little bit later, but yeah, you know, James, I just don't see the fit, uh, right now as things stand. Mm -hmm. Uh, and even if there was a fit, could you do a little bit better for the 15, maybe a little bit safer or a little bit just better in general like you probably could so i don't know i'm on the fence with with pax and like i said i'd love to have him here but i just don't think that the the resource allocation is going to make it make sense for the mariners to seriously pursue him yeah we'll get more into the resource allocation stuff and in, in just a little bit but uh you know on paxton like you i'm biased i love james paxton i was there for his no hitter like i have a pretty special connection with with paxton as a fan of the team so like always going to be a huge fan of the big maple would love for him to come back under really any circumstance um you know this year made his return from injury you know obviously had the the injury uh, in the first game that he pitched back with the Mariners in 2021. As a result, he missed all of 2022. Came back in May this year with the Red Sox. 96 innings pitched, 947 Ks per 9, 309 walks per 9, 450 ERA, 468 FIP. Those numbers look a lot better if you remove his last three starts of the year. Um, and Colby, there's some numbers that you went over on the Patreon show. I don't know if you have them pulled up again, if you do, or if you remember them uh, off the top of your head. Um, I'd love to have you, you know, read those out because I, I think there's some thought there that he could still be like 
absolute ceiling like probably not he's probably like an actual like number four but absolute ceiling he could still be like a low end three right yeah um you know i i watched some of his starts the other day uh because it was new year's day and that holiday sucks so um so i i went back i looked at some of his starts and i was gonna watch more uh just in case this turned out to be something but obviously it didn't but based on what i saw paxton still looks like a legitimate you know number at least a number four probably a number three i saw starts where he was 94 to 97 mm-hmm. uh with a really strong cutter slider the pitch that we never figured out what it what actually was and a pretty good curveball so he was throwing strikes uh, that obviously based on the the caper nine uh the thing that really got him was the the home run to fly ball rate last year it was at 17 point like eight percent i think is what it was like that's obviously super inflated over what it normally is but paxton still misses bats he still has good stuff he still throws plenty of strikes like it's, it's a number four starter i feel really comfortable about paxton being a number four starter for how many innings I don't know. So that's kind of the, the red flag there. But what I saw uh, from healthy James Paxton last year was that dude still a number middle of the rotation arm, at least. Uh, yeah. So yeah, I mean, he's still throwing hard. Like I said, the cutter still has bite, still has that kind of overhand curveball that he flips in there for strikes. Like he, he's a good pitcher still. He can definitely help a team mm-hmm. for sure. So we're going to talk about Dylan Cease. We're going to talk about resource allocation when it comes to pitching for the Mariners and if that's the best route for them to take this offseason when building out the rest of the roster for 2024. We'll go over all of that in just a moment. But first, a reminder, this episode of the Lockdown Mariners podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. All right, sailors, the NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets, win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there are so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays. You can also find bets in the new Explore tab and make a parlay in the Parlay Hub. It's the best way to find popular parlays. With football coming to a close, you know what that means. Mariners baseball is almost here, folks, and so is betting on Mariners baseball. But while you wait for the boys to take the field, you can still bet on the Seahawks, Kraken, and Huskies basketball and football. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N to make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the National Football League. And you're listening to the Locked On Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. And as a reminder, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And folks, on Friday, it is Fan Fiction Friday, of course. Well, barring any moves, we all always have to add that little caveat. So barring any moves by the Mariners, uh, Fan Fiction Friday on Friday, we will have a form in the description of this show, whether you're listening on podcast platforms or watching on YouTube. You can click that link, go to the Google form, and submit your Mariners trade proposals. And we will try to read and grade as many as we can on friday's show so as you mentioned colby earlier when we were talking about paxton 
with the way that the pitching market has gone lately, I don't see any way that even with his injury concerns, even with his age, even with the fact that he only threw 96 innings this past year, he's not getting at minimum less than $10 million. Yeah. Like I, I feel pretty confident seeing what some of these other pitchers have gotten that he's going to make at least 13 from whoever he signs with. Now, we know, or at least we assume, that the Mariners have a very, very restricted payroll right now. Um, all indications, or all signs point to that being the case. Right? And there's been reports about them only having about 20 to $25 million, and that was before the Mitch Garber signing. So we don't know wh- how that contract is structured, right? And you, John Stanton, for making us worry about a two-year, $24 million contract yeah. if that's backloaded and what the opt-out is in 2026 and all that stuff. So silly. But that's the point we're at. Every million dollar counts right now. Um, so we don't know if that's $8 million into what they can spend for 2024. We don't know if that's $10 million. We don't know if it's just $12 million, how you would think with the way that the contract is laid out. Two years, $24 million. He gets 12 this year. He gets 12 next year. Who knows? We don't know. But Paxson gets like $13 million. Or say he does give you a deal and you get him for like 11 and a half. That's presumably a significant chunk of the remaining resources you have at your disposal. Does that seem like the smartest route for the Mariners to take this offseason? Or can they get to a point where that becomes the smartest route they can take this offseason? If they can acquire the essentially the the Bryce Miller and Brian Wu of offense while giving up only one of those guys, then maybe. But it's hard for me to imagine because, like, I, I I don't know off the top of my head who that guy is. Like, um, is it Matt McClain and Bryce Miller? Like, or is Noel V. Marte and Brian Wu? Is it something like that? Like, if you could get those two guys and then you replace, then you know, you add two bats to your starting lineup who are making the league minimum, then yeah, you could in theory. Um, or maybe it's just one guy who's making the league minimum and another guy who's making like $10 million. Maybe it's a Rosen Arena and Royce Lewis. I don't know. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, if it's those two guys and one cost you Miller and the other one cost you Woo, then yeah, spending the money on a pitcher would make some sense. But you kind of have to, it's triage right now, right? For the Mariners, you kind of have to do the best you can with what you have available to you and allocating that much money. Like I like if Garver comes in at 10, right? Just to mm-hmm. play it safe. If he comes in at 10, then we think maybe the Mariners at the high end have 25-ish million dollars left to play with at the high end. Yeah. You're gonna give 15 of that to to Paxson. Let's say Paxson gives you a deal. All right, he gives you 12 million. You're going to give them half of what you have yeah, left. You're going to give half of, and you still need bullpen arms. You still need another bat. You still need a, a bench bat. Like I, it gets very right. tight, very quick. So right. now what you're having to do is you're in order to pay for Paxton, you're probably having to trade like Ty France. And, but the issue with that is, is that now who plays first base? Now I've just added to another position. Now I have another position I have to add to, to add to a position group that I already have some depth at like reasonable depth at. 
so it's a really tough balancing act, you know, and, and so that's why it's, it's tough for me to imagine that you can get Paxton signed to a, a number that he'll take without it costing you a pretty significant bat upgrade. Cause like, I, like I would rather in a vacuum, I'd rather have James Paxton than Adam Duvall for the Mariners this year, this Mariners team roster as it's currently constructed. Yeah. Duvall makes way more sense than James yeah. Paxton. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just kind of the, the tight, you know, the tight window you're trying to thread right now. Like it, it's, you're trying to throw a, a tire through a, or a, a football through a tire swing that's moving at a hundred miles an hour. If you sign James Paxton, like good luck, you can maybe do it, but it's going to be really hard. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I saw, uh, some, some takes, some tweets, whatever, after the Chad day tweet came out, you know, a lot of people saying like, well, this doesn't necessarily like, have to be a precursor to a Miller or Wu trade if they sign Paxson. And you're right, it doesn't necessarily have to be that because there are I mean they have depth issues in their rotation right now, especially with the question marks of Emerson Hancock and Brian Wu and beyond those two guys, like we talked about I think on Monday, Darren McCacken's like your number seven right now. So they do have some depth issues. It's not the worst idea in the world to start Brian Wu in double A AA or triple A to manage him that way. You could run a six-man rotation to manage the innings of your top guys and Miller and Wu at the back end. There's a, a lot of different things that you could do, right? That do make sense on the surface. But it kind of has to be a precursor to a trade with the way that the Mariners are currently constructed and what they have available to them in terms of money. Because if you're given James Paxton half of your available funds or even more, if it's three quarters of what you have available to you, you're not going to be able to build the offense that you need, quite frankly, without trading Miller or Will. Like just straight up, Again, love James Paxson. Would love having him back really under any circumstance. Just from the the biased James Paxson fan that I am. But also the logical baseball analyst that I am would hate it. Because James Paxson, for this particular roster, to join the fray of Bryce Miller, Brian Wu, Emerson Hancock, to essentially be that number five behind, uh, behind Miller or number six if they went with a six-man rotation that's not worth 13 or 15 million dollars it's not at all not to the mariners specifically yeah so that's one issue that i have with and also i feel differently i would feel differently about a paxton signing depending on who they traded right mm -hmm. because if you trade miller then you're talking about your number four and number five spots coming down to some combination of James Paxson, Brian Wu, and Emerson Hancock, who all three of those guys, you can't really feel super confident in them giving you 100-plus innings. I think Wu more so than the other two because of Paxson's long injury history and Hancock has another shoulder thing that's going on. For Wu, it's mostly just about getting further and further removed from Tommy John, but even then, we saw him get pretty gassed out there towards the end of the season. Does that have an impact on 2024 on the start of his 2024 this also adds more validity to the, the 
the possibility of starting him in double A AA or triple A and managing his his innings and buying yourself some more time to kind of ease him back into things. So there's a lot of question marks with that. And so I would feel a lot more negatively about a Paxton signing if they traded Miller. And now my number four, number five, again, is some combination of those three guys, at least until the summer when Robbie Ray might be a factor. And we don't know if Robbie Ray is going to be a factor. There might be setbacks. You know, a lot of people are just kind of assuming that Robbie Ray is going to come back and he's going to be Robbie Ray. There is no guarantee of that whatsoever this summer. So um do i think that those guys could help buy you some time to get to to july when ray might be able to come back or you can make a trade for another pitcher sure but i don't feel great about that to start the season quite frankly yeah because i mean if if you trade miller then it's two of those guys with only one in reserve you trade Wu, um then it's you know it's two of those guys not three of those guys uh, but also Miller is just a, a safer bet to, you know, give you 160, 170 innings, right? Mm. Uh, he also has less of an injury history and the Mariners rotation in general, right? As it sits right now, minus Brian Wu, pretty good health, like histories, even Robbie. But again, Robbie Ray had a fantastic, uh, you know, history. You, you never know, man. Posting. Yeah. You, Pitching you never, is a very stressful thing on the body. It can, yeah. it can happen to anyone at any given moment. Mm-hmm. That's what makes it so scary. Yeah. And that's what makes it so valuable. Um, so yeah. Uh, I, I think if like, if I'm replacing, like if I trade Bryce Miller, right. Hypothetically, I'm looking for a different type of pitcher to replace him than if I yeah. trade Brian Wu. Like yeah. if I'm trading Brian Wu, I'm going to take more of a risk. I'm just looking for upside, but mm-hmm. trade Bryce Miller. I need some relative certainty. Yeah, uh, because I I'm counting on the innings that Bryce Miller in theory. And, and if that provide. means that I'm getting a worse pitcher, so be it. Yeah, I, I can't have two guys in my rotation at the same time who literally can't stay healthy. And I also feel like I can get someone that can give me innings of like a four and a half ERA. We're just using ERA because it's the simplest sure. stat here. I can probably get that guy for like five million bucks. Rather yeah. than pay James Paxton fifteen million dollars with all the question marks that come with him, sure, Alex Wood, yeah, Johnny Cueto, like somebody like that, yeah. You're listening to the Lockdown Mariners podcast. Thank you again for making us your first listen. So, we've talked about the money aspect of you know pouring resources, more resources into your starting rotation, but what about trade assets, prospects? The Yapper is at it again, folks. John Morosi has linked the Mariners. Breaking news has linked the Mariners to yet another player out on the uh, on the market. Doesn't matter if it's free agent or trade. He's linked the Mariners to pretty much every player in Major League Baseball at this point. Morosi mentioned the Mariners as a potential suitor for White Sox ace. I almost said Red Sox. White Sox ace Dylan Cease. He was on MLB Network yesterday talking about the Orioles as being essentially the front runners for Cease, who seems very likely is going to get traded at some point over the next couple of months. Uh, but he did throw in the Mariners there towards the end of his uh, spiel because uh, he clearly has some quota that he has to fill when it comes to the Mariners and players. Uh, so the, the only reason we're talking about this is because, Colby, you had a Dylan Cease trade idea a while back. We talked about it on this show. So clearly you think that Cease is a potential fit for the Mariners. Uh, so 
What do you think about trading for Dylan Cease? And, um, you know, your idea was kind of tied to also trading Logan Gilbert. But what if you don't trade Logan Gilbert? What if you just trade for Dylan Cease? Yeah, you know, Cease is obviously like kind of the big pitcher that's out there right now in the trade market, uh, mm. especially now that Glass now is off the table. And apparently Chris Sale is out there, too. So, um, yeah, Cease is kind of the, the biggest name, uh, unless you are a Red Sox fan and you think you're entitled to George Kirby. Uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Cease is the biggest trade chip available right now. Nick York for uh, who, George Kirby, of course. Yep. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, at least he's the biggest guy who we know is being shopped. Like if Jesus Lazardo was being shopped, he might be the most you know valuable arm out there. But Cease is a guy who we know is getting shopped. We know he's likely to get traded uh, sometime between now and whenever the trade deadline is uh, this upcoming year. Uh, so he's the big name. He's what, what does it take to get him? is, is my question because I think it takes two of your top five, two of your top five or six, and then probably another like top, top 10 ish guy. And that's if they're willing to take just prospects, the white Sox might want young major leaguers. You look at what they did in their trade with the Braves, uh, for AJ or, uh, not AJ mentor for, um, Aaron bummer. Like they got a lot of, they got a lot of bulk, but it was bulk that could play right away in theory. So maybe they they say, yeah, sure, we'll we'll trade you, Dylan Cease, but we want Terry Ford and we want like Brian Wu. And it's at that point Jose Caballero and Sam Haggerty for Dylan Cease. Sure, chills. Sure, but you know what I mean. Like they might want young major leaguers, yeah. and you just don't really have that to give unless you're giving Miller or Wu. And I guess you could give Wu, but six years of Wu for two years of Cease. I don't what's I don't really see the point in that. Yeah. So unless they're willing to take a pure prospect package, uh, I don't maybe they love Dom Canzone. I guess you could put Canzone in the trade, but now you have to go out and get another outfielder. So now I need three outfielders or sure. as Jerry DePoto would say two and a half outfielders. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know if there's a path here to a deal unless it's pure prospects. And even then, like if you're the Mariners and, and they're will and like how are you gonna outbid the blue or the uh the Orioles? Yeah, the Orioles need pitching badly, and they have young major leaguers yeah. who are like they've already played in the big leagues. They have a god tier prospect system right now. Yeah. Like, like if you're if you're the White Sox, would you rather have Harry Ford and Gabriel Gonzalez, or would you rather have Heston Kierstad and Connor Norby? Like, and maybe even more on top of that. Like, yeah, like, but those are just two guys. Like, they're. Those guys are going to get at bats for the a lot of at bats for the White Sox this year. Ford They've also Gonzalez. had second base issues, so like Jordan Westbrook yeah. makes a lot of sense for them. Yeah, so I don't see how you can actually outbid these teams unless the White Sox are looking three years down the road and they don't care so much about this year, which is totally possible because it's different to trade a reliever and a starting pitcher. They're just different markets. Yeah, so it's possible. Um, I would say it's highly unlikely unless you're adding like a Brian Wu to your side of the deal. And at that point, does that really make that much sense for Seattle? Not really. The the, the Orioles just make such a more compelling case for, for cities. Yeah. I mean, the Orioles make all the sense in the world for the the only question there is like, Cease is only due like $8 million in arbitration, but is that Mm -hmm. too rich for the Orioles blood right now? I mean, they did just give $13 million to Craig Kimbrell, which like if you have payroll limitations, you probably shouldn't give $13 million to a reliever. Right. But 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess the other X factor would be like, do the Orioles even like Dylan Cease? True. I guess. Probably. <laughs> I, mean, they, I mean, they should, but you kind of don't know ball if you don't like Dylan Cease, at least to a certain degree. Sure. I mean, and again, if you're the Orioles, it's like, yeah, of course we'll give you Norby and Kierstad and like. Yeah. So, one one area you could maybe you know scam the system a little bit is if you're willing to take on a, a bad contract from the white Sox. so like they yeah, because the mariners have a ton yeah, of money which to is, do that exactly so like <laughs> like i mean is dylan cease really worth taking on the 60 million dollars remaining on andrew benatendi's contract is he wor- plus the prospect capital you have to give up is he yeah. worth taking on the i think 12 million dollars yon mancada is due uh this this yeah. upcoming year probably not like and like you said, Cease is making like $8 million himself. So yep. I don't see, um, unless the White Sox are willing to take a pure prospect package, uh, or more or less. Like if they want you to throw in like Dylan Moore, like fine, whatever. But yeah. if they're willing to take a full you know, prospect package where it's Harry Ford, Gabriel Gonzalez, Michael Arroyo, and you know, Michael Morales, like something yeah. like that. Then yeah. yeah, I'm in. I'm interested. Sure, but I just don't see a, a scenario where that's actually what it takes. I think I think th- I think he's going to be an Oriole. Yeah, but there are other teams also. The Reds make a lot of sense for the for him yep. too. Like eh, not so much. They they've added a lot of pitching, but sure, they could, they could certainly like if you're the Reds they, they, and you they, have all this pitching, you could be like, hey, you want Graham Ashcraft and and Noel V Marte? Yeah, and like but, yeah, the Mariners can't compete with that. Well, and the Reds. The Reds have added pitching, yes, but they haven't added anything close to what Dylan Cease could be. So could be, sure, yeah. yeah. But the Reds are also a mid-market team who have spent a lot of money uh, for their yep. standards this offseason already. So we'll see. Um, like I said, I'm I'm a big fan of the uh, screw you pitching staff idea. Uh, I think, yep. nice. I think if there's anything I've ever championed that has been like outside the norm, it's been that idea to just yeah. go all in on pitching this winter. So I'm certainly interested in Cease. I just don't see a path to a deal unless it's pure prospects, and that's all the White Sox want because yeah. you're going to get outbid pretty easily by a team like Baltimore. And Baltimore, I think, has exactly the type of pitcher or the, exactly the type of players that Chicago would want right now based on mm-hmm. where they're at. So I'm interested. I just think you're going to get outbid pretty easily and pretty quickly. So yeah. yeah, I just, I don't see it. Yeah. So sorry to be the bearer of bad news, but I don't think Dylan Cease is going to be a Seattle Mariner. Just going out on a limb there, but Hey, you never know. Uh, maybe, you know, we always say this when it comes to trades, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So maybe mm-hmm. just straight up the white Sox like, the Mariners group of prospects more than the Orioles. If you want upside prospects and you're willing to wait a couple of years, the Mariners top five is better than what the Orioles could offer you. But if you want impact now, like guys who can yeah. help you right now, Seattle can't compete with that. So yeah. 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 It's all about what, what do the White Sox want? Well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Lockdown Mariners podcast. For Colby Patnode, I'm Tidying Gonzalez. Be sure to give us a follow on Twitter at LO underscore Mariners. You can follow me at Tidying Gonzalez and Colby at CPAT11. That's CPAT11. You can also find all that stuff in the description of this episode. Thank you again for making us your first listen. Have yourself a beautiful baseball day. We'll see you next time. Peace.